0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. RAMP.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC, terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Misguided. It's a nothing personal word of the day. Today is Tuesday. February 16th, 2021, and we're talking about misguided. Misguided means more when it's a missile. Misguided can be very hurtful when it's an insult. Misguided is how I want to describe what took place last night with Draymond Green. If you don't know who Draymond Green is, that's okay. Welcome to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Of course, we have Coca here. It's only Tuesday. He's still paying attention. He's still with us. He was funny during the uh, pre-show preparation today. He was worked up, worked up about what we're talking about today. I like when he gets worked up. It gets me worked up and gets us ready for the show. Draymond Green is the world champion player for the Golden State Warriors, and he likes to get fined. He's been fined quite a bit for things he said, things he's done, maybe just said. I don't know if he's ever been fined for anything he's done. doesn't matter. I want to talk about what he said yesterday and why it is misguided. When you speak about something, and I have done this plenty of times, misguided conversation can be purposeful or accidental. Purposefully misguided conversation is when you know exactly what you're saying is wrong, but you're saying it to make a point, and you do not care whether people know you're right or wrong. You want them to hear the point you're making. Misguided conversation that you don't know is wrong, slightly more dangerous, easily correctable, somewhat explainable. Draymond Green is a combination of his misguided conversation. So, so here's one of the things about you, the fans, and, and we, the media. We demand players to be available to talk. We want to hear what they have to say at the height of their emotion. Baseball gives 10 minutes after a game for the clubhouse to be closed, and then the media gets let in when media was allowed in the clubhouse. Now the players leave and go to a Zoom room and talk to the media. But the 10 minutes is supposed to be the cooling down time. It's not enough time to cool down after a game at all. Win or lose, 10 minutes is not nearly enough. But writers want to get articles written. They want to get tweets tweeted so you got 10 minutes basketball game ends they go to players go to a press conference they have the water bottle they've got the sponsored water bottle hey pay attention out there if you're watching on youtube nothing personal with david Sampson and subscribing um where's the label on the water bottle ha the water category is open for business. So Draymond Green takes the microphone and he goes off. He calls out the NBA in a way that you don't often hear. Shows a level of frustration that is not often manifested. But what he was talking about and his reasoning was so misguided, I want to break down a couple of things and I just want you to think about it. I want you to think back, for example, to all the times we spoke about James Harden. James Harden, that player for the Houston Rockets, that player who signed that huge deal for Houston, got upset, said, I want to be traded, ends up being traded to the Brooklyn Nets to join with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to form a super team in the outer borough of Brooklyn. Draymond Green says, hey, we all know that James Harden was dogging it at the end with Houston. His expression, not mine, dogging it. We called out James Harden, telling you he was going to be traded, not tenable. Angry and upset that players were able to get their way, get out of an organization the way Harden did. So Draymond Green says, hey, we were dogging it. He was dogging it. We all know that. So I just want you to ask yourselves a question as an athlete or as a fan. Is that what you want from your players or your teammates? Just to dog it when you're not happy with the situation? Remember the last dance with Michael Jordan and when Jordan was retired because of whatever reason you want to say he was retired? (laughs) Wink, wink, wink. And Scottie Pippen was leading his team through a playoff run and refused to go in a game against the New York Knickerbockers. Last play of the game. Pippen wouldn't go in the game because the play call was for Tony Kukoc, not for him. Do you remember what we were saying? How's that for your teammates? Good. Is that being a good teammate? Think dogging it is being a good teammate? Just curious. I wonder what Draymond Green would think of that. He certainly didn't mention it in his misguided interview, but I'm just curious why wouldn't he say, hey, not acceptable for a player to ever dog it? No, didn't say that. He then went on to talk about his problem with the NBA and how the NBA is not interested in the mental health of its players. Kyrie Irving comes out with mental health issues and everyone's on him, get on the court, play. Draymond Green's upset with the NBA because teams have the right to not play players or to trade players and God dog it, dang it. He wants that power. What the hell is he talking about? All right, I'll explain. We got a situation in the NBA with two players one is named Blake Griffin. One is named Andre Drummond and Draymond Green had had enough. He was so upset that Andre Drummond was not playing for the Cavaliers who've lost eight in a row. Andre Drummond, who was brought over from the Pistons, not part of this conversation. Who cares? Just letting you know that Coca told me. Andre Drummond on a team that's lost eight in a row, not playing, overpaid. And the team came out and said, we are going to trade Andre Drummond. And because we are going to trade him and the deadline is two weeks away, we are going to sit him and not let him play. We've got other people we want to give minutes to. Side note, query, are the Cavaliers better with or without Andre Drummond? The Cavaliers are tanking, they're rebuilding, they're playing young players. They do not want veterans to get in the way of their young players developing. You need games to develop, therefore you want your young players to play. You don't care whether you're gonna win or lose games, you just need them to develop. Fans don't like it, but they're gonna like it if those players develop into some sort of potential championship nucleus. But we're not even talking about fans and the fact that they don't have long memories and when players are developing, they don't wanna hear it, but when players are developed, they're super excited that players are developed. But let's put that aside. Andre Drummond is in street clothes. He's on the bench. He's there to support his team. The team is honest with him and publicly. Honest, actually. I can't even do a segment about what the Cavaliers did because they said to the player and to the fans and to the other teams in the NBA, hey, we're trading Andre Drummond. Okay. But Draymond Green said... You expect Andre Drummond to stay in shape. You expect him to be professional. You expect him to sit on the bench, but you don't respect him enough. I don't know what he's talking about. We're telling you, we are not going to play you. We do not, we. Dollar Coca. Management, old habits die hard, but they're dying folks, don't kid yourself. We're episode 311 and nothing personal. This is my new jam. Teams do not have a requirement to let players know when they are playing, if they are playing. They simply don't. Is it good to tell a starting pitcher that he's going to start in two days? Sometimes we thought it was. Sometimes we thought it wasn't. Is it necessary to announce four days in advance your rotation for an entire series? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. That's TBA. I don't agree with it. We always knew who was going to start. I don't think it's keeping the nuclear codes. I don't think it's a competitive disadvantage or advantage. Oh, no, we don't want the other team to study the pitcher. We don't want the other team to prepare for a Drummondless Cavaliers team. We want them to prepare for Drummond and then Drummond won't play and we'll have the advantage. Pfft. No one cares. Makes no difference. So Draymond Green was upset that Drummond was in this position where he had to stay in shape, or his career could be on the line. And if, Draymond said, and let me be clear, I've said it 10 times. I'm going to say it one more damn time. Stop referring to players as cancers in a clubhouse. Cancer is a disease that kills people. Cancer is a sickness. It is not. What a disgruntled player or disgruntled executive or mean or rude executive or mean or selfish player, it is not a cancer in a clubhouse. It is a disruptor. It is a pain in the arse. We all have to watch what we say in the media or else we're gonna be taken off the air. You lose your show, you say it wrong. You say the wrong word, you say one thing differently. You get confused paragraph or sentence pre-prepared, that's one of the issues with nothing personal, isn't it? Isn't that why you love it so much and why I love it? Because I don't know what I'm going to say until I say it. I'm like literally straddling the third rail every day for 45 minutes with you, committed not to edit something. You know what's amazing about what's going on right now, Coca? I lost my place and train of thought. Damn it. What were we just talking about? is this really happening to me? Listen, I'm a little tired. Oh, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Thank you. Coca. <laughs> that was a real moment, folks, a little insight. You know how nothing personal works that actually happens to me. And it makes Coca crazy because he's in the background laughing in my ear. And sometimes he tells me where we were. Sometimes he likes to just play games and just say, Hey, and then after the show, when we debrief and stuff, and he'll say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't really know where you were going anyway. But he always knows where I'm going. He's like in my head. He knows exactly where we are, what we're talking about, why we're talking about it, when we're gonna talk about it. But sometimes he just likes pulling the strings, sticking the hand up the butt and saying, ooh, here's what you're gonna talk about now. Here's what you're not gonna remember you are talking about and I'm not gonna help you. Good luck on the vine, Dave. Well, thanks, Matt. By the way, I don't remember what we were talking about now again. Oh, no, Blake Griffin. Wait, we didn't even mention Blake Griffin's name yet. We're still talking about Andre Drummond. No, no, Draymond Green, misguided. So, Draymond Green says, I. <laughs> Draymond Green says that you do not want a player to be unprofessional because if he is, then you're going to call him a canceling clubhouse. And I said, why you shouldn't call players a canceling clubhouse? Draymond Green wasn't finished. He then calls out the NBA because his view, apparently, is that teams and players are not treated with the same level of respect by the NBA. Teams are allowed to do all these different things. Players are, basically he was just saying, we're told to shut up and dribble. Not true, especially after this year. Not true, should have been always, but certainly going forward, not what we're asking. We're trying to be very sensitive. If I say we one more time, I'm stopping the feed. I'm cutting the feed going to allow you to hear what I'm saying. Do you like that, that I can control the sound so it sounds like I'm muted? It's the cough button, right? You didn't hear that cough, right? I can just press a button and you can't hear what I'm saying. The NBA really has an issue. Blake Griffin wants to play for a contender. I could have been a contender. Blake Griffin has as many rings as Coca. Not a lot, very few. He's actually used to be a really good player. Remember like Griffin on the Clippers when he had the explosion, he was like, I don't remember what his nickname was, but it was something like a uh, uh, dunk man or, or he just, he could dunk with thunderous strength played on the Clippers. They didn't win with him. They traded him to the Pistons. He did sign, though, thank God for that, a five-year, $171 million deal with the Clippers. That was a max deal at that time. What's that math? Five into 17 is three remainder, two, five into 21 is four, 34 plus million dollars a year. Now, the way it's paid is he's getting paid $36 million this year by the Detroit Pistons, $39 million next year, which is a player option. I'll bet you a dollar. It's not even a wait to see Coca. He will pick up that player option. Because in a free market, Blake Griffin's total salary right now would be maybe the mid-level veteran exception. Maybe, maybe, which is not 39 million scratcheroonies. So the Detroit Pistons are not playing Blake Griffin anymore. They've got a bunch of good young players, okay? Blake Griffin was brought in by the Pistons with the Stan Van Gundy era. That era is now gone. Stan Van Gundy's moved on to Zion land. The Pistons inherited this contract, not the owner, the new president, the new GM, the new coach, and they they just realized that Blake Griffin's not good anymore. Blake Griffin has had a lot of injuries. He's been a great guy. The Pistons are trying to do him right. They announced and said, we're not going to play anymore because we're going to try to trade you. We appreciate the fact that you want to play for a contender. Go ahead. This is what my favorite thing used to be in the front office. That's not true. Top 10 favorite thing. Hey, tell your agent to see if he can get you traded. <laughs> you know why that's funny? Because you think a GM takes a call from an agent and says, oh, my God, it didn't even occur to me that I would want Blake Griffin. Thank you so much for calling. Now, I know that the Detroit front office wasn't going to call because they're not trying to trade him. But now that I've heard from you, I'm going to put on my thinking cap and have the epiphany of having Blake Griffin on my team because he can be the difference maker because we're contenders. No, that's not how it works. Detroit Pistons will call every one of the other NBA teams and they'll say, hey, do you have any interest in Blake Griffin? And they'll say, hey, is that the Blake Griffin who's making $36 million this year? No, has a player option for $39 million next year. Huh, yeah, I've got a lot of cap room coming up next year that I've been working on for three years by not winning games and making sure we had no long-term deals, but I've got a great idea. I know exactly what I can do. I can trade for Blake Griffin. The chances of Blake Griffin being traded are the chances of me dunking a basketball in a regulation hoop before I go from this earth without a trampoline and without standing on someone's shoulders or a ladder. Zero. No one will trade for Blake Griffin. But Blake Griffin all of a sudden wants out of Detroit, not getting playing time. Detroit wants to move on and you know what's funny? Detroit is a, uh, well, they're, listen, they are what they are, right? That's the same team, just to sort of give you a common thread through this conversation. Andre Drummond was actually traded by the Pistons to the Cavs this year, sometime in a year ago, February of 20. Thank you, Coca, for that little nugget. But that's not really relevant to what we're talking about. What we're talking about is why players in the NBA are now being pulled from games as teams are being more open about what their plans are. You don't get more for a player or less from a player when a team trades a player in the NBA when that player is either untradeable or every other team knows that you are going to trade that player. The strategy in baseball is, is a little different. What we would do is when we wanted to trade a player, do you know what we would do? We'd play him more Hoping against hope for a little 10 for 30 streak, maybe a seven inning scoreless start, something that would cause an owner to have an amazing bout of recency bias. When you've got recency bias, you do not make good decisions, period. Recency bias is when you look at the most recent thing that has happened and you assume that 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 will define what used to, it'll explain what used to happen and define what's going to happen. So in baseball, when we had made it our evaluation of a player and we wanted to move that player, we would build up that player. Do you know the amount of lobbying? Side note, Coca, not in the show, not in the rundown, but in my head. Do you know that we would specifically meet with certain members of the media We would assign certain people within our organization to purposefully talk up certain players who we thought sucked because we wanted other teams to read it and we wanted to trade those players. Artificially inflate their value, we would say, get out there. Talk about our fourth round pick from two years ago and say, man, this guy's coming. This guy's got electric stuff. I mean, the numbers may not bear it out, but I'm telling you, we are counting on this guy and we know it. (laughs) Makes perfect sense, right? But in the NBA, when you are moving a player, all the salary cap issues, trade money to get money, equal money in trades, bad money for bad money. In baseball, when you're trading a bad contract for a bad contract, you don't talk up the bad player. Everyone knows that player sucks and no one cares. But in the NBA, what they're saying is we're not going to play him because we don't want to risk injury. Because if a player gets injured, we may not be able to trade him. We would only pull players in baseball when a trade had been agreed to. The juice was never worth the squeeze to sit a player we were trading. Because you were worried about that player being injured. The NBA, they're very worried about injury. I wonder if they're worried about COVID. But if you're worried about COVID, wouldn't you just send the player home and put him into quarantine? I think they're just worried about injury. But Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond getting injured, that's gonna hurt Blake Griffin's trade value. Blake Griffin's trade value is zero. Nah, I'm not even getting into it. I just did get into it. All right, wait to see. You want to wait to see Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond they will not both be traded. I guarantee it. I win this wait to see if either of them gets released or either of them stays with their current team through the season. I lose the weight to see if they both get traded. It's the easiest way to say I've ever had and I apologize for that. I've had a few tough ones recently. This one is simple. While they're trying to trade Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, they will not both be traded. Okay, we're gonna go to a break now. I'd like you to stay for the rest of the show and through the break. We're going to review a movie that is one of the most devastating movies I have watched since Nothing Personal started and one of the most devastating movies that we're going to review. I'm going to also talk again about Judas and the Black Messiah. I've had the most interesting discourse back and forth, both on Twitter and various other ways about the segment we did on Judas and the Black Messiah. Yesterday, and I want to revisit it and talk about it again. And we're also going to talk about the insanity of betting on basketball and how good it is to win a pick that you thought you had no chance. We'll be right back. The 82 game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code Samson. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code Samson only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Please download, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Why in the heck does that matter? Don't know. New YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson. We're trying to, I, We I don't know who's watching if you subscribe, but we get numbers that indicate way more people are watching and listening to nothing personal. So thank you, you telling your friends about it. But you have to hit the subscribe button because that counts too. So let's get to... 2,000 subscribers, let's get to 20,000 Twitter followers. Ask me questions at David P. Sampson. We do end of month mailbag episodes. We do a lot of interaction. I do it, it's not we, why would I say we? Coca doesn't do it, I do it. I don't mind it, I really don't. I won't tell you, actually I tell you everything. That may be the issue. Maybe that's why you love nothing personal. I do a lot of Twitter DM interaction because I spend anywhere, and this is true, anywhere between 30 and 120 minutes in the bathroom every day. Yes, I'm that guy. I am. Maybe that's why I'm thin. But I do like the interaction. I like responding to as many people as I can, and I will. I take your suggestions for movies. I watch a movie every day. I put it on a list. I don't ask about it. I don't read about it. You tell me to watch it. It goes on a list. I keep a list in the notes on my phone. Someone said, please... One of you said, please watch Dear Zachary, a letter to a son about his father. had no idea what it was about. I turn on the film and I will not be the same. It was a zero time check movie. It was a zero pause movie. It was a zero check your phone movie. It's from 2008, and I understand that many of you may have seen it. I had not. I had not heard of it. I was too self-involved and worried about trying to get Freddie Gonzalez to win 80 games in 2009, which he did, so then we could let him go. Dear Zachary is about a man named Andrew Bagby. Andrew Bagby, by all accounts, was a popular, friendly young man wanted to go to med school, ended up he's a US citizen, went to Canada to go to med school in Newfoundland, Newfoundland. I have no idea what's going on in this movie, except it's a movie about a guy who seems friendly and nice. I don't know how this is ending. I don't know where this is going. The name of the movie is a letter to a son about his father. It all of a sudden becomes clear that the father is dead. And that this movie maker, his name is Kurt Kuhn, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, last name K-U-E-N-N-E, was a friend of Andrew Bagby and decided to make a documentary, like a diary, so that his son, Andrew's son, could know about his dad. So I'm watching this documentary so incredibly well made. I'm seeing his parents interview David and Kate Bagby Andrew Bagby gets caught up with a woman in Canada, ends up that this woman is unstable and insane because that is the word I will use for anyone who kills someone. And I don't view that as a defense. Andrew Bagby gets murdered. And now I understand why he's making the documentary. But Andrew Bagby had no children. So a letter to his son about his father. We then discover through the documentary that Andrew Bagby, when he was murdered, was murdered by the woman who was pregnant with his child. The documentary talks about what the grandparents, the parents of Andrew go through trying to get custody of their grandson, trying to save their grandson from this wretched, horrific psychopath who had killed their son. The end of Dear Zachary turns out to be shocking. I'm not going to spoil it, although it's 13 years old. But what I'm going to say is that the letter and the movie that is made ends up also being to David and Kate Bagby, who have devoted their life to bail reform, to legislative changes so that what happened to Andrew will never happen again. You see, Shirley Turner, his girlfriend, who he was trying to break up with, and then she killed him, got out on bail because it was ruled by a misguided judge that Shirley Turner was only a danger to Andrew and Andrew had already died. I'm going to leave it there, except to say, please watch Dear Zachary, and please thank Kurt for making that movie, and please go to DearZachary.com. You don't have to give money if you don't want. Just learn the story, and then ask yourself what I've been asking myself all day since I watched it. How? How are we in a world where that happens? Do I sound naive? Do I feel naive? I do. I feel like a little kid. I really do. I want rose-colored glasses. I want to believe in the good in everybody, that people know the difference between right and wrong, that people have a moral compass, that people understand the value of a life and how fleeting it is and how quickly it can end through no fault of your own, through sickness. I want to believe that all people are created equal. I want to believe that the document that runs our country matters. I want to believe that the nightmare that, that people have lived through, the suppression, the... We talked about Judas and the Black Messiah yesterday. And I wanted to believe something that I guess just isn't true and may never be true. And I want to explain... First, I wanna tell you as people who I respect and appreciate your loyalty and the 45 minutes a day that you give me, I try to give you information so you can make decisions. I try to not let you know, I'll let you know what I think, of course, but I don't need you to agree with what I say. But there are times when what I say is not based on full information. And I wanna learn, I wanna be better. During the review of Judas and the Black Messiah, I referred to the Black Panthers as radical, as willy-nilly killing police officers. And I needed to be better. I needed to give you a better background into the Black Panthers and into what's going on around that movie. Better background into why the FBI planted so many informants in the Black Panthers because the FBI was so worried about Fred Hampton and the Rainbow Coalition he was growing. Combination of white people, Hispanic people, black people getting together, trying to become empowered, trying to have the rights that they believe were not being granted to them. And I wasn't specific enough in telling you that what bothered me about the movie was the misrepresentation of the ages of Hampton and and Bill O'Neill. What bothered me about the movie was that I was only made to feel sympathetic toward the Black Panthers. There was not enough conversation about other parts of the Black Panthers. The reality that they were armed, that they were scaring people by walking around. They were not pacifists like Martin Luther King. They were the anti-Martin Luther King which may have been the point. And many of you were willing to have intellectual discourse with me about that segment yesterday. That's what I crave. There's enough of people calling me butt plugs. That was a good one the other day, I like that. I will admit to you, and I was taught this by someone on Twitter, I didn't know what a butt plug was. I assumed it was bananas and rice. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm not a big butt guy. I must admit, I find it, I'm a germ guy. But you didn't do that yesterday. And by the way, the overwhelming majority of you don't do that. Instead, what you did is you explained to me some of you were white, some of you were black. Some of you didn't tell me what you were, but you took the time to write a note and I took the time to read it because if you're going to take the time to write it, I'm going to take the time to read it. Lucky for me and lucky for you, sleep does not matter to me. And when you take the time to tell me something, I'm going to take the time to do more work on it. I'm gonna take the time to think more and make sure that I communicate better with you so that you've got more arrows in your quiver to make better decisions about the way you wanna react and the way you wanna feel. Wouldn't it be unreal if we all did it? Wouldn't it be great if all of us chose education? And I don't mean formal. Wouldn't it be great if we all chose to learn more about what we're talking about before we talk about it? Or that if we don't, we're willing to learn more once we do talk about it and maybe just maybe change our position. And this is not me telling you that I approve of the Black Panthers and people walking around with guns. You know how I feel about that. This is not me saying that I agree with what the FBI did because I don't and I never will assassinating Fred Hampton. They had their reasons and I disagree with them. But that doesn't make what the Black Panthers were doing right. But it means it's worth studying. What makes people act the way they do? It's when they're so desperate they have no other choice. All people are created equal. I guess we have to talk about who's considered people. No, we don't. We know exactly who are considered people. And if you're one of those people who doesn't consider every other person a people, then you're one of those people who's likely not listening to the show because I don't need you to get a new contract at CBS. Let's just be better. You know, you know what is absolute ridiculousness as we start, as we gamble on games? You know, I like doing the nothing personal pick of the day's picks of the day. I really do. I think it's fun. I was 19 and 16 going into yesterday. I told you that the Clippers were favored by five and a half over the heat. Take the Clippers. They should be favored by way more. The heat are not the heat of the bubble. So I'm preparing to watch a game. I always re-look at the line. I watch the games that are the picks of the day because I care about the picks of the day because I want to get them right for you so we can have a little extra scratch. Where's Kawhi Leonard? Where's Paul George? What? Harold's resting? Beverly? What? Hold on. This can't be right. Call up Coca. The Heat are favored by three and a half in the game over the Clippers, but I told nothing personal Audience to take the Clippers minus five and a half. So they now have the Clippers minus five and a half. I've got the Clippers minus five and a half. I said to Coca, why can't we make it heat minus three and a half and we'll take the Clippers plus three and a half? Coca said, it doesn't work that way, Dave. I said, All right. And guess what? The Clippers won by seven, which means the Clippers with Leonard, with George, should have been favored by about 16. We're now 20 and 16. Clippers beat the Heat. Way to go. Did you hear the news about the Lakers? Are you crying about Anthony Davis missing two to three weeks with some Achilles issues? It's not ruptured. Anthony Davis has some Achilles issues. They're going to sit Anthony Davis. So in the NBA, the way it works is that the regular season has about as much meaning as a small pimple on your chin that no one can see except you, but you do nothing but focus on it nonstop. Everyone is preparing for the playoffs. And if you're not preparing for the playoffs, you're preparing for the lottery because you're tanking. So Anthony Davis sitting out doesn't mean a thing to the Lakers. They're not going to play LeBron 48 minutes trying to make sure they win games without Anthony Davis. They're going to stick to the plan because the Lakers are focused on making sure they're healthy during the playoffs. And that is one of the issues, of course, with the NBA. If you're in the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 seed, they decided to do this play-in tournament, which they're going to do in May, this exciting play-in tournament that they started with the bubble so that everyone can have a chance from 7 through 12, so no one will tank. How's that going for you, NBA? Is that going well? So I guess if you're in that position, you don't want to tank. And if you've got players who are hurt, you want them to hurry up and come back because the regular season matters so much. Wait a minute. No, it doesn't. If you finish 7th seed versus 11th seed, It may not even matter. Can still miss the playoffs. So the Lakers start their stretch tonight without Anthony Davis. But don't worry. The Lakers are playing the T-Wolves. For whatever reason, the Lakers are only favored by seven and a half over the Minnesota Timberwolves. I love you, Minnesota. I really do. I'm very sympathetic. Is Cat still on the uh, T-Wolves, by the way? I think he is, right? And Cat had that big issue with COVID and he lost so many family members. He is now, oh, he's not playing? Yeah. Does he play for the Wolves, Coca? That's what I'm asking. Hello? I can't even hear you. Oh, we're 36 minutes in the show and therefore he's quiet now. Maybe he's preparing to release the show because we released it so quickly. Yes. Thank you, Coca. So I have very much sympathy. Carl Anthony was out with COVID, remember? And he was talking about how bad COVID was. And just like I was telling you how bad COVID was, and he actually lost, I think, three members of his family to COVID. So this is not about you, Kat, but your team absolutely blows. I have no idea why the Lakers are only favored by 7.5 over your team because without LeBron, without Anthony Davis, the Lakers will still win by more than 7.5. So we're 20-16, and and we're H-O-Triple-T. Let's go, Lakers. 7.5 over the Wolves. So... Spring training starting tomorrow. I think players report. That's exciting. I always like spring training. One of the rights of spring training is meeting the media. We would always plan this. We'd bring in the our head of PR, PJ, sit down with Mike Hill, Larry Beinfest, Dan Jennings, whoever was going to be meeting the media, our manager. Can't even list the managers. We'll run out of time. And we would talk about, meeting the media, we'd set it up. Here are the subjects we're gonna talk about. Here's the position we wanna take publicly. We believe in our team this year. We're on the program. We love our off season signings. We wanted to bolster our fill in the blank and we did. We had to make some moves because of the reality of the world, so we did. We're very much counting on player X, player Y, and player Z to be steady in the rotation And of course, what you always need to hear and what we will always say, C-A-V-E-A-T, but we need to stay healthy. So we'd have our talking points. We'd meet the media. I took special attention to my hometown team, the Miami Marlins. Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman met the media. It's the one time Bruce Sherman speaks to the media. Derek Jeter tries to talk to the media from time to time, but Bruce Sherman and Derek... Jeter met the media for 45 minutes yesterday on Zoom and boy did they have some stuff to say and it made me laugh and the reason it made me laugh this is not bitterness towards Jeter or Sherman make sure you understand I am complimenting them because they covered everything they're supposed to cover and they did it with aplomb and they did it with sincerity and they were so full of it, I can't believe it. Let's start with number one, fans aren't dumb. The Marlins are not going to make the playoffs this year. Over 162 games, they simply cannot compete through no fault of their own, it's really my fault, because I left the team in such bad shape. I'm. I, it was my fault that no fans come to games. It's my fault that the TV deal is so horse crap. It's my fault they can't get a naming rights deal. It's my fault. I get it. The NL East absolutely loaded up. If you look at this offseason, what did the Braves do? Plenty. Morton. Smiley. Bring back Ozuna. What did the Phillies do? Real Mudo, Gregorius. help their bullpen. What did the Mets do? I'm doing it again for you out there listening. What did the Mets do? Springer, Bauer, Real Muto. Everyone improved. The Marlins picked up Starly Marte's option for $12.5 million. Their offense absolutely stinks. They're not going to score runs. But here's what Jeter and Sherman said. Be patient. All right, they're four years in keep being patient. Two, we are very much focused on developing players. We've got the number two ranked farm system, and we need to stay with the plan. COVID did not impact our moves this offseason. That's what we need to talk about. What's wrong with acknowledging why everyone else made moves, but you didn't? What's wrong with saying, hey, of course, COVID impacted us. Of course, our revenues are even lower than we thought they'd be. Of course, we don't have the 30th ranked payroll, but we've got the 30th highest revenue. I'd love to say that we are last in revenue, but not last in payroll. We really are hoping that more fans come to the games. We're opening it up to 10% to start the season, 20%, maybe 8,000 fans. We need your support. We had a great year last year. We acknowledge that it may have been only a fluke because we didn't think we were ready because we've got such a great young team and young players coming through the system. Pump up your players. Be specific about what your expectations are. It'd be amazing because the Marlins have these great young players. And if they don't perform over the next year or two, then you're gonna have to cover yourself by firing a bunch of people because it means the guys you traded for and drafted weren't good enough. But right now they could be acknowledge that the TV deal that you haven't signed yet, but you're about to sign. You don't have to say it is gonna be so much better than it was, so much greater than we expected. We are gonna now be competitive with the other teams the way Bruce Sherman said. No, that's not how you say it. What you say is we have had a very hard time negotiating a TV deal during these times of COVID. We want to value our product in a way that it is not being valued now and we are expecting more We are not able to find a naming rights partner right now. They've got an excuse. Now's the time to use it. It is the perfect time to use COVID as an excuse, and they never did. Do they get props for it? No, because this is the time when you can do it, so do it. Otherwise, you come off sounding ridiculous, like this was all your plan. It was nobody's plan. COVID is nobody's plan. It's the one thing you can't prepare for. It is the one thing that fans would acknowledge as an okay excuse, even though it's a billionaire owner, even though you overpaid for the team and don't have the money to keep running the team, even though you spent money buying property outside Wrigley Field, even though your team is worth $6 billion and you're the Yankees, but you want to stay below the cap, even though only the Dodgers and Padres and the White Sox and maybe one or two other teams move their payroll up and other teams move their payroll down just respect the fans in a way that I never did. And if I had to do it again, I would, because you understand the truth and you deserve the truth. And I thought you couldn't handle it. I was too busy, too busy in my bubble, thinking that I knew everything about business and from where it was concerning you, all I had to say was, It's nothing personal.